Hello. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Appledore Research Podcast. My name is Robert Curran, Consulting Analyst with Appledore. As ever, we're here to share insights on the transformation of telecom in the era of cloud, network automation, and AI. If you enjoy today's podcast, make sure to follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Now, enjoy the show. CES is the Consumer Electronics Show, first held as far back as 1967. Since 1998, it's been an annual event held in Las Vegas. CES has been the launching pad for a bunch of innovative consumer products, including DVD players, the Microsoft Xbox, camcorders, Blu-ray, plasma TVs, and even drones controlled via smartphones. Since 2013, connected devices, driverless cars, sensors, wearables have all been a major feature of the show, and that's been an area that's been growing ever since. In 2021, the show was an all-digital version, and 2022 was also hit hard by COVID. So in 2023, with over 100,000 attendees expected, was it back to business as usual at CES? After an epic journey to get there, Appledore's Patrick Kelly eventually made it to Vegas and back again. Hey, Patrick, welcome back. Hey, Robert, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Uh, congratulations on making it back in one piece. Um, <laughs> so for folks who, who maybe you know, think of CES as a, as a consumer show, um, can you give us a you know a bit of background on on what CES is like? Um, just give a sense of flavor of of what it's like to be there. Yeah, yeah sure, Robert. It's it's really the first technology uh, event of the year. Um, that's sort of the uh, the claim to fame, if you will. Uh, it was you know first week of January. So CES this year was January fifth to seventh, twenty twenty three. This year there were about a hundred thousand attendees uh, at the event. Um, the last time I attended CES, Robert, was in January 2020. So it's been a few years, mostly because of the pandemic. Uh, back then, the attendance was 170,000. So wow. okay. I would say it's it's not back to pre-pandemic uh, okay. levels. Yeah. So sure. uh, the, the, the venue, so interestingly, the venue was spread over um, 11 official sites, if you will, 2 million square feet of exhibit floor space. Um, most of the, the exhibits that I went to were in the three main halls, halls in the, um, Las Vegas convention center. Um, and you know, even, even there, it's a bit like mobile world Congress in Barcelona in order to travel from one hall to the next, it's quite a walk, but they were running, um, they were running the, the, uh, Las Vegas loop, which is, uh, Elon Musk, uh, boring company, uh, you know, uh, finished that work a couple of years ago. It was actually during the the pandemic. And so okay. you had Tesla drivers uh, essentially transferring you, you know, across this mile and a half loop from one hall to the next, um, which was pretty convenient. Um, okay. Okay. So, you know, one, one of the things I'll say is it's, it's much more than a consumer electronics show. I know, you know, people think of it that way. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, there, there was so much there. You, you've got robotics, you've got AI platforms, the advanced driver assist systems, uh, personalized healthcare, you know, the 3D printing, and, you know, of course you get the metaverse and web 3.0. Sure, right? sure. Uh, sounds, sounds busy. So, so you know, we, our focus in Apple very much on, on the telecom space, you know, what did you, what did you find? Who were the, the companies there uh, that you felt kind of intersected with? with our conventional interests in, in the telecom space. 
Yeah, most of my focus um, really was on the business to business applications and and the use cases there. And you know, the it, what I was trying to find was the intersection with telecom network automation and some of the advanced networking technologies that we cover in our research. So, uh, you know, if I kind of look back at my time last week, I spent time with, um, you know, companies like Caterpillar and John Deere, which was more industrial 4.0 type uh, market segment, uh, Qualcomm, Mobileye, uh, Palantir, um, interesting stuff going on at Abbott and Dassault Systems. Um, so, you know, th those were, you know, some of the what I would call highlight companies that I met with, along with, um, you know, a host of other folks uh, just walking the exhibit floor and meeting with people. Sure, sure. And, and what would you say? Were there some kind of key themes that came out through all of that? I mean, especially given it had been a couple of years since an in-person event of any scale. Uh, what was, you know, what was what was common to yeah. what? what was happening on the, on the business to business side. Yeah. There's a lot of talk, Robert, as you know, like around the metaverse and people are saying, okay, when does it materialize? And it, you know, the metaverse isn't just one thing. It's, you know, there's going to be many metaverses. Um, and, and, you know, the whole discussion around, you know, where are we with web 3.0? Um, so I spent a little bit of time in central hall. That's where a lot of the exhibitors were that were doing gaming, uh, the metaverse, uh, you know, VR, AR headsets, uh, haptics, uh, things like that. So you had companies like Canon, LG Electronics, Microsoft, uh, SK was there, uh, and Magic Leap. Now, for me, the interesting uh, company, and I spent you know a fair bit of time with them, was Magic Leap. They're they're the unicorn backed by Google and Alibaba. Uh, so they had a head mounted virtual retinal display system that they were showing uh, Magic Leap Two. Um, what was interesting about Magic Leap is they they pivoted away from the consumer uh, market with their AR headset, uh, which they're selling for about twenty five dollars, twenty five hundred dollars. Um, and, you know, the, the field's crowded. Right. So they they showcased the Magic Leap Two AR headset. Um, one of the announcements they made at the show is that it was cleared for medical certification for use in um, medical procedures, which I thought was interesting. Um, hmm. And the reason I say that is if you look at how surgeries are done today, you know, you sort of have um, you've got an alternative video feed um, for any sort of uh, surgical procedure. So, you know, if the doc doctor's operating, uh, there's a 2D display, you know, separate so that that can be somewhat distracting. Um, and mm -hmm. so what Magic Leap 2 is providing is they have a high resolution uh, high resolution data coming in on the headset. Um, it basically eliminates that distraction on the 2D screen. And the other thing I thought was interesting with Magic Leap is their partner, you know, they have some partnerships with instrument manufacturers to get some live stream data into the headset. So if you, if you think about, uh, for example, the application I'm talking about, you may insert a catheter through blood vessels or organs, um, and instead of you know looking again at this 2D monitor, uh, which has some uh, distractions to it, um, it's it's built right in uh, mm. on this uh, you know AR headset. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's a viable solution, I think, to support remote telehealth applications. Okay, and this is where you can overlay some of the digital images onto you know a physical object. Yeah. Um, 
you know, in, in terms of the telco, you know, telco opportunity, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, you're dealing with latency sensitive uh, network KPIs um, yes. as you advance in the application. So I think, you know, Magic Leap's interesting in that um, they're applying it here. They got the certification, which is tough, uh, at least on the uh, healthcare side. And then they're also selling it in other industry verticals. And this was, this would be used where you have, you know, potentially remote experts uh, that can guide less experienced field force workers uh, okay. to complete a task such as repairing equipment in the field. Interesting, interesting. So, so very much uh, that sort of immersive, immersive activity. Um, you know, combining multiple technologies, combining the capabilities of of networks. Uh, you know, bandwidth, low latency, control. You know, high reliability, all that kind of stuff. So, like that seems to be a bit of a feature of some of those industrial type applications. Would you would you say that's fair? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that, that that was interesting. And then, you know, I think some adjacent areas to where Magic Leap uh, is innovating would be what Abbott's doing. So I had a chance to meet with Abbott on the show floor. Um, for the, for people not familiar with Abbott, they're a leader in uh, cardio implantable devices. So, you know, this sort of fits in with bio wearables. Um, and they also do things like glucose monitoring for diabetic patients. Mm. Uh, so they, what, what Abbott was doing is they were demonstrating Lingo, which is their new line of bio wearables, and it's based on their Libra sensing technology. Um, and so, you know, you're sort of getting real time information on, um, you know, things like lactates and glucose levels, et cetera. Um, and this is the classic example of democratization of, uh, you know, healthcare data. Uh, to healthcare providers and patients, uh, and you know, in terms of treating, being more proactive in treating chronic diseases. Yeah. Uh, so you know, they they had uh, they had that. They also had their cardio MEMS um, uh, system that they were demonstrating. Again, you know, they're a leader in remote uh, heart failure monitoring devices. Um, I think what they told me, Robert, was they had twenty five thousand patients. Uh, that had, you know, congestive heart failure that are using their devices. So, you you know, if you kind of imagine the future here, at least as it relates to telecom, you could see potential for, you know, um, monitoring for vital signs of cardiovascular disease uh, mm -hmm. and doing that remotely as a service that could, that could be provided for more proactive care. Um, and I think, you know, with more biosensors deployed, you know, what you end up dealing with is you have, um, you know, data rates increasing, you know, the, the, the capacity on the network. Um, and so what this is going to require is secure, you know, reliable network infrastructure, um, you know, secure yeah. in terms of, you know, you've got a lot of privacy laws. I know you have it in the UK, we have it here in the US, HIPAA. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, that's interesting, um, you know, with respect to 5G, and, you know, I just want to emphasize this, I don't see any opportunities for, you know, public 5G network uh, in this application in the immediate future. Instead, I think what, what ends up uh, unfolding is you see more private 5G networks supporting the technology, maybe in large urban areas. Um, but I think for today, you know, Wi-Fi and LTE technologies are suitable uh, to deal with things like uh, latency and reliability and throughput. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Do you, was it your sense that what you were seeing, um, kind of on the show floor, um, represents kind of what telecom 
said it could do like three years ago, or is it on the same level, or is it anticipating what telecom is going to be able to do in in three years' time? How would you how would you say? Yeah, they- I think a lot of these applications. You know, we're talking about personalized healthcare. I think a lot of this, uh, at least you know, with respect to the telco and where the opportunity is, I think that sort of unfolds, you know, maybe over the next two or three years. I think it's a little premature right now. The other thing you got to keep in mind is like most healthcare providers, um, they're very stingy, right? So if they, you know, with, with their IT investments, right? So you really need to make a strong uh, business case before you're actually going to see some, some spending in that area. Um, There was this other company I met with, uh, Deso Systems, which is a French software company, um, and they do 3D design and simulation. Um, you know, they're they're a pretty sizable company, uh, about twenty thousand employees. Their revenue is five billion. But what what they were demonstrating um, was virtual twin technology. So they were creating a digital twin replica of of, of organs, uh, the heart, the brain, etc. And then they would create a three D model of the heart or the brain uh, taken from patients' uh, medical information. That could, that could be collected, you know, with uh, MRI or CT CAT scan yeah. uh, technology. And what, you know, what I thought was interesting there is it allows the surgeon to practice a procedure on an exact replica of the patient before the actual operation begins. Um, that, yeah, that to me is really interesting, you know, interesting. Yeah application um being applied you know in the virtual twin digital twin yeah. area um yeah. around patients you know uh, organs or you you know any other part of the anatomy interesting interesting I, I mean i'm i'm conscious that you know one of the other big things in recent years at ces has been all the auto- automotive uh, type applications you know connected cars connected vehicles um, was that much in evidence uh, this time around, or was there much much that was new on that front? Yeah, there, Robert, there were there were so many automobile manufacturers. You could almost think you were at a uh, you know a trade yeah. show for yeah. uh, EV and the latest automotive technology. But you know, one of the things I ended up doing is um, I went to the, so most of that was being uh, demonstrated in the West Hall. Uh, that was the ADAS and AI and robotic technology that's co- commercially available today. Um, I spent some time with John Deere and Caterpillar. Um, you know, John Deere, what was interesting is the CEO of John Deere, you know, it was his first keynote at CES 2023. Um, mm. And so, you know, one of the things they were showing um, is this product they called Exact Shot. Uh, which essentially is a sensor and it uses robotics uh, to apply fertilizer um, and reducing waste by 60%. So that product oh, okay. exact shot was being shown. Um, yeah. The other thing I'll say just with respect to, you know, our industry, which is, you know, focused on telecommunication is John Deere's always been a strong proponent of 5G um, in their manufacturing facilities. And most people are probably aware of the fact that uh, John Deere purchased uh, CBRS Spectrum private private access license in- um, uh, Yeah, back in the auctions. Yeah, a few years ago, but it was in a number of, I think it was four or five Iowa Iowa counties where they have factories in their headquarters. And so what they're doing is they're deploying 5G private networks in their manufacturing facilities in Iowa, 
um, and, and they're replacing Ethernet hardwired connections uh, on the factory floor. And so, you know, uh, they're innovating, they're using connected robots and autonomous guided vehicles um, that, that run on predefined routes uh, in the factory floor. Um, you know, they're really a pioneer, if you will. I mean, most people, when they think about John Deere, you know, they think of, you know, a technology, uh, you know, a company that, you know, has been around for 150 plus years, um, but they're really innovating on the technology front. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. The, so the, other, around... the other one, Robert, was Caterpillar. Um, big, you know, big fan yeah. of Caterpillar. Uh, they were also in the West Hall. Um, you know, they, they made a statement. So they had their CAT 777, which is their 100-ton payload truck. Um, okay. What's interesting about that, Robert, is they're actually running 550 of these trucks, you know, massive trucks in production at mining facilities around the world. Um, so I did meet up with um, a couple folks at Caterpillar in terms of discussing their use of mobile technology in the mining industry um, and sort of how they view 5G, things like 5G yeah. standalone. Yeah, um, okay. Uh, so, you know, some interesting, interesting uh, conversations there. And uh, I'll, I'll be putting out, uh, you know, research note post-show uh, on these meetings. That's, yeah, that's great. <clears throat> uh, I think, yeah, it'd be good to, good to see that. Uh, so at some rate, it's always difficult to cram what you've done in four or five days into, into you know, a few, uh, a few thousand words. But, but yeah, that'll be a great read, I think, when, when folks get to see that. Um, but while, while I've got you, I, I mean, we can't, we can't talk about big shows without talking about the next big show, um, MWC, Mobile World Congress, Barcelona. Um, if, you're, if you've recovered from your travel to, to Vegas, you, will you be making it out there to Barcelona this year? Oh yeah, we'll we'll have the whole nearly the whole team there, Robert. So yeah. um, it's as you know, Mobile World Congress is our biggest event for the year. Um, you know, you'll be there, I'll be there. Grant Francis, um, we've got a couple new additions, Rahul and John, yeah. uh, that'll be there. Um, Adams managing our schedule. So I guess for listeners, anybody that would like to meet up with us in Barcelona, we'd love to meet with you. And Adams scheduling uh, scheduling our calendars. There. Cool. Yeah, no, that, that's terrific. I know folks can reach out to us on, on LinkedIn, um, and uh, yeah, get, get some time set up. It, it should be a good should be a good show. Um, in terms of your specific focus areas on that, uh, do you want to talk a bit about uh, about what you'll be concentrating on with some of that telecom more telecom specific conversation uh, in terms of research module topics for you? Yeah, Robert, I'll be, so one of the things I'm doing right now is I'm publishing a report on 5G testing and assurance. So that'll get published ahead of Mobile World Congress. Um, what it's looking at is the programmability of the 5G network. Um, and, you know, one of the things that um, I think people are interested in is, you know, getting more control um, and, and being able to test how the network is running. Uh, so things like improving spectral efficiency, energy efficiency in the radio network. Um, you know, the yeah. other thing that, you know, will be part of that is uh, service providers obviously are looking for new revenue streams by, you know, potentially selling capacity in their network to MVNOs uh, or enterprises. Um, there's obviously a test and assurance aspect there. Um, you've got some things going on in the RIC, um, as you know, because I know your coverage yeah. is there. Uh, with things like, uh, you know, combining 
uh, NWDAF functionality, uh, doing things like full control loop to run the network more efficiently. Uh, again, assurance and testing is key there. So, you know, this, this research will really look at the network service and applications that will change in this programmable 5G network. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's, that'll get released just ahead of the show. So, you know, one of the things I'm also doing there, a uh, little bit of around market share, um, and then also looking at how the supplier system ecosystem is changing in the test and assurance market. Yep. Okay. Got it. Excellent. So test, assurance, AIOps, um, analytics, that's kind of focal points for you. Uh, and anyone listening to this wants to, wants to talk to you about plans in that area. Um, you are the go-to guy on that topic. That's terrific. That's great. Um, uh, if folks want to find out more about, you know, the research programs we got, uh, where should they go in the first instance, Patrick? Well, just go to our website, Apple Door Research, um, and then, okay. uh, you know, follow us on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. we're, we're constantly publishing things on LinkedIn and, um, we'll be doing a lot more of these podcasts, uh, over the year on, uh, different topics. Yeah. So we'll have, we'll have each of the analysts and we also plan to bring on some guests as well. Yeah. Looking forward to that. We've got some good, good names in the frame for that. So yeah, that's going to be great. Patrick, it's going to be good. We're going to see you in mobile Congress. I hope we'll meet a bunch of people there. And uh, that's been terrific. Thanks so much for the rundown on CES. Uh, okay. And we'll be talking soon. Thanks, All Patrick. Right. Good speaking with you, Robert. You have been listening to the Apple Door Research Podcast. Join us next time for more insights and conversation on the transformation of talent.